Good to be with you this morning. I uh, appreciate you coming out on these days. Uh, I realize summer, there's a lot of activity going on. There, there was for us also, as we, um, Mary Lee and I enjoyed our, our 10-week trip to the southeast. And I was thinking of that uh, song, We're the Whole Realm of Nature Mine, that were a gift far too small. And I just thought how beautiful, how beautiful our, our country is and that we are privileged to live here. And yet even that is, is far too small if we could give that as a gift to our Lord. He's, a, he's the creator. And uh, so uh, just uh, those words really, really touched me there. Uh, several things I'd just like to comment on this morning. Um, Judy she went to be with the Lord, as most of us know, about a week and a half ago, and uh, we are excited that she is there. But there's going to be a, a memorial service uh, with the family on, on the 20th of July here. It'll be at 2 o'clock. That's a Saturday afternoon, and that'll be at 2 o'clock. And I hope that many of us, many of us were impacted by And uh, so we need to be, you know, uh, we, it'll be our joy to, to come and uh, remember her. Um, Marla Smith, uh, she had a heart attack this week. Uh, there's just things going on in the family, and we just really need to uh, be much in prayer. They are asking for no visitors at this time, but I'm sure cards would be, uh, would be great. But um, she's apparently doing fine, but uh, just, they're just because of the conditions, they're just asking for no, uh, no visitors at this moment. And... Um, our buddy Kurt, um, he, um, we were at a, a staff meeting this week on, on Wednesday, and um, he just started to get up from his seat, and you could tell all of a sudden he was in a great amount of pain. And uh, what they figure took place, because afterward he could, he could not put any weight on it, and it was just excruciating pain. He said, I, he, said he has kidney stones. And he said uh, this pain was worse than the kidney stones. So uh, it was excruciating for him. Um, he, uh, at least from what they understand, he had a, a hip strain, a hip flexor strain. And there was some, probably some bleeding and it was filling up there. And uh, so when he tried to move, it just was excruciating for him. So uh, it's a, it looks like it's at least a two to three week um, kind of recuperation period for that. He's obviously still working, but uh, he can't, uh, he's going to be, he was going to be working on his house there, putting an addition on for those additional three kids. And um, so if anybody has any uh, skills in that area, <laughs> I'm sure that Kurt would appreciate uh, some help because they're, they're, taking the roof off right now and so but uh, pray for Kurt as he recovers from this and and that they're able to get during this summer this heat of the summer be able to get that uh, room uh, added on uh, Don is up with his family this weekend so uh, uh, I'm kind of doing a lot this morning uh, we were actually going to have Alan Annie here this morning and uh, we when we contacted them we found out that they had another uh, time together. So I, I'm just going to talk for an additional 20 minutes this morning, and I'm sure nobody will mind that. <laughs> um, but uh, I'd like for you to turn in your Bible. We're going to do, uh, look, look at Philippians, if you would. We're not in that. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 2. 
But uh, I'd like for you to turn, let's start in Philippians chapter 1. So Lord, we, we thank you for your word, how powerful it is and how timely it is in, in situations like we're in right now. Your word explains why this world is in the condition it's in. It's a perfect explanation. It tells us that people have suppressed your truth and your wrath is being poured out against this world and it shows up in a lot of different forms. Depraved sexual passions, uh, uh, sexual immorality, uh, societal uh, hatred and, and uh, all the, 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 the jealousy and all these other things that we see. It, it all goes back to the sin of suppressing your truth. And so we thank you for giving us your word. By the way, you, Lord, are using that to bring people to see their need of you. You've provided salvation or deliverance. You've provided a way so that we can walk in, actually walk in victory. And so we thank you for your, your, your grace and your mercy and your love. And so may we understand that, that this is your way of getting the world's attention. And may we as Christians... May we take advantage of the opportunities that this society and our, our world, uh, may we take advantage of what this world is experiencing right now. Uh, because we have good news. And, and thank you that you plant us as a church, like we saw last week, colonies of heaven on earth. That's what the churches are. And so may we be, uh, may we do who we are, these colonies of heaven on earth. And so, uh, thanks that we can look at this passage today. May it touch us deeply. And we pray these things in our Lord Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, but, but we're going to start with a couple of other passages. And I'd like to look at the Philippians chapter 1 passage to begin this morning. And it, and it says there in verse 27, chapter 1, verse 27, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you and that too from God. And then look at verse 29. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. It has been granted. <laughs> it's, it's a gift. It's been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Now I'd like for you to keep on going in your Bible back toward the back and you get to Hebrews, um, Hebrews chapter 10, if you'll look at that with me. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. And he's writing to mainly Jewish Christians here. They're, they're Christians, but they have a Jewish background. And he's dealing with all the, the, the laws and the temple and all the other things, which were simply symbols of what was to come. And, and he says there, 
writing to these individuals in verse 32, but remember the former days when after being enlightened, in other words, when they became Christians, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully Listen, listen to this statement. Accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. And he goes on to explain in verse 38 how to walk by endurance, and that is my righteous one shall live by faith. That... In spite of what's going on, and you look at what took place in their lives, and they, they, this great conflict of sufferings, they were made, in other words, they were put out almost like on public display and made fun of and ridiculed and criticized and, and put down, and partly because they simply identified with these people who were standing before others, and some of these people were actually put into prison for their faith in Jesus Christ. And you accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. We're looking this morning at suffering churches. We here in this country don't do a lot of suffering because of the name of Jesus. I understand there's suffering involved in every human being's life simply because we live on an earth that has been scarred by sin. So, so we understand, you know, hard things, difficult things, there's suffering, physical suffering, maybe mental suffering, simply because we're part of the human race on, a, on an earth that has been cursed. Someday it'll be redeemed, and it's crying out for that as well as we are crying out for that. But um, there's a lot of suffering, but the suffering that we're going to be looking at today and these two situations we looked at in Philippians and also in Hebrews, as you turn on over to, to Revelation uh, chapter 2, we realize the suffering that's going on there is because they are standing firm in Jesus Christ. And personally, I think if we live long enough in this country, we will experience more and more suffering simply because we are Christians. I think there's some of that going on right now. I, I think it's I think that sometimes maybe we're afraid to share our faith in Jesus Christ because we realize we might be ridiculed. We might be made a public spectacle. We might suffer some consequences as a result of standing firm. The church that he's writing to, to today in this, in this passage, um, there are going to be people there in that church that are going to die, physically die. And so, uh, if you're following along on the back-to-back -back handout or you're following along on the bulletin, I just put the second mark of a true and living church is often suffering. The first mark we saw was love. You, you, the, he accused them of, you know, he, he showed them what needed to be corrected. You, they had lost or abandoned their first love their love for him, and it, even though they were an extremely active and busy church and doing a lot of wonderful things, and he commends them for those things, but their first love had been abandoned, and he said, you need to, you need to repent, remember. 
and get back to doing what you did at the first. But the second mark of a true and living church is often suffering. And, and so the, the question becomes, what does Jesus say to a suffering church? And the answer is just basically two words, remain faithful. Keep your eyes on me, the Lord says. That, that I, I'm, I'm sufficient for everything that you need as you go through these times. And by the way, church, I want to tell you something. It's not going to get better it's going to get worse from a human point of view. And so really remain faithful in the midst of that. I came across this story as I was doing my research, and in the middle of the second century A.D., Bishop Polycarp was martyred. He was killed because of his faith. He was brought before the governor of the province, and Polycarp was repeatedly encouraged to change his mind about Christ being the only one worthy of worship. And he said, For 86 years I have been his servant, and he has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? Because of his, because he was unwilling to renounced Jesus and worshipped the Caesar, the, the emperor, um, he was sentenced to be burned alive. And when the fire was ready, the old saint is said to have thanked God for the privilege of having been a share in the sufferings of Christ. He was killed for his faithful witness. He was faithful until death. Uh, this happened in the city of Smyrna, this church that Jesus is writing to in the last part of the first century. Smyrna was 35 miles north of Ephesus. It was a seaport with an excellent harbor. It claimed the title of first in Asia. It was well known for its loyalty to Rome and the Caesar. We were the first in Asia to really give Caesar the worship that he was due. It even built a temple dedicated to the emperor. And everyone in the city was required at least once a year to declare Caesar is Lord and make sacrifices. And there are some Christians there in the midst of that. And that's who... Uh, this letter is written to. So look at chapter 2 of Revelation, verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the first and the last, who was or who became dead and has come to life, he says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. 
when he starts out in verse 8 to the angel of the church in Smyrna, we saw last week those are many times, most times in the scripture when that word, Greek word is used, it's referring to spiritual beings that um, angels are sent to individuals. Uh, angels apparently are sent to churches. And so we, as a church, have, have an angel maybe assigned to us. We, we probably need more than one. Um, but... But, uh, but, but sometimes the same word is translated messenger, and sometimes it seems like that's what it's doing to the messengers of the, you know, of the church in Smyrna, right? Uh, these individuals who perhaps give, give the word out or, uh, or, or the leadership of the church. Uh, so it can be used both ways. I, I kind of think it's both. Um, But to the angel of the church in Smyrna write the first and the last who was dead and has come to life. Throughout these seven letters, Jesus is always described first. It's Jesus giving this message and he describes himself. I am the first and the last. I was or became dead and now I'm alive. That description of Jesus is perfect for this church. You remember the church in Ephesus, he said, he said there, uh, uh, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. He's described in a different way for the church at Ephesus, but it was perfect for the church at Ephesus to understand that God had a hold of them and he was always present with them. And so here we see that Jesus is described as the first and the last, and really that's a description from, from Isaiah chapter 44, which is a great, great chapter. But in the midst of that chapter, it says in verse 6 of, of Isaiah chapter 44, thus says the Lord, or Yahweh, Yahweh is God's Old Testament name, thus says Yahweh, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, Yahweh of hosts or armies, and here He gives these, these words, I am the first and I am the last and there is no God besides me. And he goes on and says, Do not tremble and do not be afraid. Have I not long since announced it to you and declared it, and you are my witnesses? Is there any God besides me, or is there any other rock? I know of none. This is God speaking. And Jesus says, I am the first and the last. Jesus was there in the beginning. Jesus will be there in the end, even up until our physical deaths and, and far beyond into all of eternity. But they, they need this assurance that Jesus hasn't lost control and that he hasn't left them for a period of time and that's why they're suffering. That isn't the case. He, he's with them. I'm the first and the last. You can count on me. There's no other God. Don't worship this Caesar. He's not God. Why would you offer him your, your spirits and your souls? Why would you do that? That's not who worship belongs to. It belongs to the Lord. And then he describes himself who was dead and has come to life. In other words, people, I'm writing to you in Smyrna, I know what it means to physically die. I know what it means to go through suffering. 
I can identify with you in every way. I was tempted just like you are. But I was raised from the dead. I, I died. <laughs> I, I died. I became dead. Which is really an interesting phrase. And this is just a, this is a side note. If you want to take notes on it, forget it. Uh, no. Um, Jesus would never have died on the cross if he didn't give up his life. Because he, he wasn't born with a sinful nature and he had never sinned. And death is the result of sin. And Jesus on that cross, it says he gave up his spirit. He gave up his life. He became dead. It was a choice that he made as the perfect sacrifice for us as sinners and for our sins. Incredible thought. Okay, um, back to the text. Um, it, just, it just makes it so clear here that the Lord understands what suffering is like. And so I put on your handout and on the bulletin, to our church and to you as an individual Christian, Jesus, the risen Lord, is always present. And you could really add, and everything we need. He's always present, and He's everything, everything we need, no matter what the circumstances or the situation. So suffering church... Look at your Lord, the first and the last, the one who was dead and has come to life. And then in verse 9, he says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, in parentheses, and the blasphemy by those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So suffering church, your Lord is looking at you, and here's what he comes up with, and he doesn't come up with any words of correction. There are only two out of the seven churches that he doesn't... He doesn't uh, uh, correct, because there isn't really anything to correct there. Uh, the other church is the, the sixth church, the church at Philadelphia. There are only words of encouragement here. In church, because I'm with you, I, I know. I put that on your handout, just those two words. I know. I know what's going on there. I know your tribulation. I know your poverty. I know the opposition you're facing and yet how rich you truly are. I'm fully aware. I know the crushing pressure that you're experiencing. It, it, the word there is used, it's like a man being slowly crushed to death. That's what they were going through. I know what's going on there. And I know your poverty. And perhaps, in fact, most likely because of their allegiance to Jesus alone, they, they couldn't get jobs or no one would trade with them. Perhaps it was like the Hebrews 10 passage. They were ridiculed and they were persecuted and they were put in prison and their property was seized. And so you have this crushing pressure. They're poor economically. And also you have this slander by those who could trace their lineage back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were historical descendants of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were Jews according to the flesh. By the way, the Jews, I don't know how they did this here, but, but they, they were exempt from sacrificing to Caesar. But they're the ones that have the most slander for these, for these Christians. 
And Jesus says their behavior shows they're not true Jews. In fact, they're functioning as a synagogue of Satan. What a reputation. The word Satan means adversary. He's mentioned in four of the seven letters. How often do we talk about Satan today uh, in terms of what's going on in the world or even what's going on in the church in terms of opposition? But he's mentioned in four of these seven letters. And that Jewish assembly, when they got together, didn't contain God's people, it contained Satan's people. And they were slandering slandering the Christians. And yet in verse 10, in the midst of even more severe trials, he gives this word of exhortation. In verse 10, he says, Don't fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He gives this word of exhortation in the midst of this, how rich you truly are. One person called them a one rich group of poor people. <laughs> it's really true. We understand true, true riches come from within. True, true riches are from Him. We understand it's a gift. Uh, I love the verse in, in, in uh, Ephesians, chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 that we Christians have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Sometimes people say to me, God bless you, and I, and I appreciate that. I really do. I, I understand your intent. And usually my answer is when they say, God bless you, I say, He already has. Because I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And so have you if you're a Christian. Every spiritual blessing, none are missing. Sometimes we cry out, God, give me a blessing. He has given you a blessing. And then I love the, the, the verse in Second Peter chapter, chapter 1 when it talks about we have been given everything pertaining to... <laughs> we've been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything Everything, nothing is missing. We don't have to seek more. We have it. How rich you truly are, Christians. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You've been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. And he tells them as a suffering church to look at your future. Look at it. And he gives two commands here to... To, to deal with what they're going through, stop being afraid and be faithful. And, and you know, I, I hear, you know, if I just knew what tomorrow was going to bring, or if I could just know what the next month is going to, if God would just reveal to me what the next six months or, or, or you know, the ne next couple of years are going to be like, uh, I never wish that. These people are given a taste of what their future is. And he says, yes, the suffering will continue. In fact, the suffering will grow worse. But don't be afraid. I'm the risen Lord who's always with you. I'm the first and the last. I'm the one who was dead, but now I'm alive eternally forevermore. And no matter what the pressures and no matter the poverty, no matter the, the slander, no matter the jail time, no matter even death, don't be afraid. 
But Jesus is working out his purposes no matter the opposition or the circumstances. And let me tell you in advance, the devil or slander is about to cast some of you into prison. We understand the devil or the, the slander, Satan, he has, he has some freedom and power and willing accomplices and he doesn't want people worshiping anyone but himself and his demons and, and those that he's empowering like a Caesar there. And so Jesus says to them, there will be jail time for some of you. Your, your choices will be limited. And it's so that you'll be tested or tried. Interesting. <laughs> This isn't the Lord's, you know, He doesn't need to test us to find out where we are. It's for our benefit. And, and, but the persecution may come from the government. The persecution may come from irate citizens. The per persecution may come from the religious community. I came across this quote while uh, the daughter of the founder of the Salvation Army, she wrote this and she was in prison. So this is the daughter of the founder of the Salvation Army. She was in prison and she wrote these words, Best beloved of my soul, I am here alone with thee. And my prison is a heaven since you share it with me. Isn't that a great quote? My land. Beloved, best beloved of my soul. She's talking about the Lord. Best beloved of my soul, I am here alone with thee. And my prison is a heaven since you share it with me. And so he who is the first and the last, the one who's alive forevermore, tests in order to refine. And it's only going to last a limited time. You know, you look at the 10 days, is that literal or symbolic? Uh, you know, whenever I study the scripture, I take it literally, unless it's clear it's not. There's going to be this increased time of suffering. Only some would be imprisoned for a restricted period of time, but their suffering would continue, even leading to some for physical death. Probably, Polycarp, the bishop that we talked about at the very beginning, would have heard these words. He would have been one of the recipients of this, um, of this letter. I found it interesting, and I, I go back to this verse quite a bit in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus says, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. Don't be afraid if somebody threatens you with physical death. Be concerned about the one that could kill the soul. Now, how are these people to respond to all this? And he says, be faithful until death. In other words, he's pointing out very clearly this life is not all there is. And he's saying here, join the hall of faith. Uh, that passage, it's interesting, that passage in, in the Hebrews there. Let me get back to it a second. Hebrews 10. That we read a little bit earlier. Because chapter 11 goes on to describe what we call the hall of faith, that these were men and women who acted, you know, by faith in Jesus Christ. And, and he says here, some were tortured. They were 
followers of God and doing what God wanted them to do, but others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. The worst this world can do is take our physical lives. Continue to walk in line with God's word. Faithfulness looks like this. Walking in line with God's word by the power of God's spirit for the purpose of God's glory. Those three things wrap up the faithful life. You're walking in line with God's word by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit who's in every Christian. And you do it. God, may the essence of who you are be revealed through me. You're doing it motivated by the desire to bring glory to God. That's a faithful life. No matter your conditions, nothing can stop us from doing those things. So I put on your handout, if you're filling in there, the resources we have in Jesus are fully adequate to meet the tests of each day. And in verse 11, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. And that's added on to the last, last part of verse 10. I will give you the crown of life. So suffering church, look at the promises. Notice the last word of both judgment and rewards belongs to God. He's the one who judges. He's the one who rewards and for these Christians here in Smyrna, if they were not afraid and were faithful, they would be given the crown of life. It's, an, it's a wreath that was the overcomer's wreath. It was the wreath of eternal life. It would be a, a gift. It's the same as the tree of life that we looked at last week in verse 7. It's the same as the glory to be revealed that's talked about in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. It's, it's described as an eternal weight of glory in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. It's talked about a blessing to those who are persecuted because of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. And so what it's saying is Jesus, the first and the last, who died and lives again, knows our trials. He promises eternal rewards. And so our loving Lord knows what's happening in each church and life. And so listen up. Listen. Listen to what the Spirit has to say. Because he has suffered and been tempted, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted and tested. So trust him. Hear the words of the Spirit to all the churches, and you who overcome will not be hurt by the second death. Yes, I understand it's delayed gratification, and that's really hard in this day and age. We want instant gratification. This is delayed gratification, but it's, it's thoroughly God, Jesus' promise to every Christian. He is exactly what they needed. And I'd like to uh, digress, but it's an important digression here, on that those words 
those last two words of verse 11, second death. Uh, the second death appears only in Revelation. It's here in this verse, 211. It's in 20, 20, chapter 20, verse 6, chapter 20, verse 14, chapter 21, verse 8. Uh, the second death is equated to the lake of fire in, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. It's equated to the eternal destiny of all who are opposed to God, to any who don't by faith come to know truth, uh, God's truth, Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Bible describes it as the destiny of Satan. The Bible describes it as the destiny of the Antichrist and the false prophet who accompanies him. The Bible describes it as the place, uh, uh, the, the destiny of death and Hades, the grave. And sadly, it describes it of all those whose names are not written in the book of life. It is the place of eternal separation from God. Not because God wants them there, but they choose to go there. That they understand this. Nobody is going to experience a second death or be eternally separated from God except those who have chosen to reject God's truth. Understand that. But for the rest of eternity, they are separated from the gracious, merciful, and loving God. The, we, we can't imagine what life totally separated from God would be like. I, I don't even want to try to imagine that. I can't imagine not having God in my life. Just uh, how I need Him. How I'm so grateful for out of His mercy and love He provided a way so that I could be right with Him and be with Him for all of eternity so that I can even walk on this earth in a way that is victorious from his point of view. The second death is eternal punishment. It is the negative of eternal life, the crown of life. We should never wish that anybody goes there. You know, you hear the phrase, go to hell. That's awful. Do you realize what you're saying if you say it? Do you realize what others are saying? People I know talk about hell on earth. They don't experience hell on earth. They don't. They're not experiencing this yet in the sense of uh, what it's totally going to be because the Lord is still at work. He's still at work here on this earth. For Christians, you have those two promises there. The crown of life given by Jesus himself and not experiencing the second death. 
I put on your handout the conclusion there, the first and the last, the firstborn from the dead will lead his followers even through death. We want to have and experience life. And that is what the Lord Jesus offers. I will reward those who are faithful. Even if we don't have answers to all our questions, we have him. It's kind of like that quote. You know, best beloved of my soul, I am here alone with thee, and my prison is a heaven since you share it with me. All we are called to do is rest in our Lord and be faithful. God uses faithful saints who keep their eyes on the Lord Jesus alone. And, and, and let, me, let me just run through these questions real quick because this is where I'd love for you to take this home with you and go through this individually, personally. Be honest. You're dealing with God here, so be honest. But uh, maybe do it as a family or do it as a, uh, you know, with a friend. Do it with your mate. But I just have these questions. Our Lord and His resources and blessings are ours how is he showing up in your daily choices and circumstances? Second question, what does our Lord see when he examines our church and your, your life? Third question, in what areas do you tend to be afraid and not faithful? And that could be at school, you know. I don't want to, if I say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, people might make fun of me, they ridicule me. Or at work, we might be afraid to mention the name of Jesus. In what areas do you tend to be afraid and not be faithful? How does, he, how does who He is and what He provides the answers to your daily tests and temptations? How is it helpful for you to know what your future rewards will be? Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed. And what are two ways you'll make these truths personal? Over in Hebrews chapter 4, I love these verses. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray and then we're going to sing that song again last week. And you might just, you might just listen to the words of the song or you might sing along with, just, but may it be a response of here I am, Lord, I want you alone. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your wonderful truth that's given to us in your word. It is so reassuring that you're fully aware that, that when we talk about, well, we're suffering because of your name, he says, I've been there. I've, I've suffered too because of who I am. And when we say we're being tempted or we're being tried, you, you can say, yeah, I've, I've been there too. I, I understand. And I'm with you. I'm the first and the last. And I'll be with you no matter what you go through there on this earth. I'll always be with you. 
because I'm the living one. Yeah, I died. I needed to die for sins and for sinners. But, but I, I was raised from the dead. And I'm your living Lord. May we count upon you.